Welcome to the Dildorks Storky Discourse on Sex, Dating, and Masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and I I would say I cry almost every day. I, I cried in a scene two nights ago. I probably cried at some fan fiction yesterday. It's just a daily part of my existence. Who are you, friend? Oh, okay, but was it your fan fiction or <laughs> someone else's? I don't think I've cried at my own fan fiction. I like because I can't surprise myself. I think most often when I mm. cry at something that I'm reading or watching, it's like I'm surprised by a moment that hits me a certain way. And when I'm writing it, I'm like crafting those moments. So it's, it doesn't right. really do the same thing to me. I don't know. That makes sense. Okay. So right before we started recording, I said, I don't know if I have a ton of questions, but I think we'll have a lot to talk about. I already have <laughs> seven questions for you. Anyway. <laughs> I'm Billy Lore. I'm a sex educator and a porn maker, and I've been having a lot of thoughts about crying lately. I'm going to camp next week. I might be crying at camp. I oh, I have so many questions already. Anyway, okay. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned surprise, and I actually want to start there. So media is one of the things that will most reliably get me to cry, um, and I don't know that surprise is necessarily core to that. For me, because the stuff that tends to hit me pretty hard in media is the stuff that like has had the long, slow builds that you've been sitting with them for a while. And like, maybe you can even see it coming or you knew it was coming, but like, oof, watching them feel the thing is just a lot. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious if surprise is also key to you in like, other experiences of crying, like when your life makes you cry or when kink makes you cry, like how much does surprise relate to it for those? We're going to pretend that last sentence was one that made sense. <laughs> it did. <laughs> That's it how did. words go. I think that when I cry just in life, like I'm having a rough time, mm -hmm. I think that that tends to come on more slowly because it's just like, Sad thoughts, sad thoughts, feeling bad for myself, cry a little bit. That feels kind of good. Cry a little more. Then maybe I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I need to have a full on cry. And then I'm thinking about the sad shit to get there. It mm. really does have a lot of parallels mm -hmm. to orgasm in that way, I guess. I, um, you said get there. And I was like, you know, <laughs> I, what's also fascinating to me is this idea that you're just like, I like this. Oh God, this is, I'm, I'm going to be so autistic this whole episode. I'm going to explain a feeling to me, Kate. Um, <laughs> it's just the whole concept of sitting down and being, and like crying a little bit and being like, oh, that feels good. I have to do more of that. And then I'm going to sit down and get myself to crying. Never. The masculinity could never. So <laughs> Well, like, what you should watch sometime, there's this amazing bit in a Dane Cook comedy special. <laughs> I'm like usually not that big of a fan. I didn't expect. Like there's this one Dane Cook comedy special, Vicious Circle, that is actually so good. And there's a part mm -hmm. in it where he talks about that feeling of like, you just have this sense that you need to have a big cry and you're like going through mm -hmm. your day and everything is kind of a little bit cloudy and, and emotional and, and you're just excited for when you can get home and have a big cry. And the thing that he talks about is um, having a sort of like mental mantra that you repeat to yourself to sort of get it going and to really get into that place. And the, the thing that he uses as an example is I did my best. <laughs> oh. And it's so perfect, right? Like even thinking that phrase, like that's very evocative for me. <laughs> like shit comes up mm -hmm. for me where I feel like that was true for me. Anyway, it's a great mm -hmm. thing if you're. And, that's also fascinating to me because I was this afternoon just listening to uh, Darren Greatly again and big vulnerability thoughts. And we're going to get to into all of that later because again, relevant. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things she was talking about is that how much shame for men is tied to uh, failure and like failure to succeed mm. and like success and respect and, um, and do you mean uh, succeed professionally? Yes. I'm drawing a blank on the word that I, I want I'm, uh, status. Mm. So like, yes, professionally, but also just in the community to be socially. Yeah. Socially someone who is seen as successful and to have a high status. Right. And how shame can be really tied to that for men. Mm -hmm. So like, 
how being I did my best with the implied thing being and did not succeed, right? Yeah. And was not, <laughs> right? And yeah. did not achieve whatever status, the important thing being I tried, yeah. right? Is, I don't know, harkens back to that. It is interesting to me as like that being the thing that'll bring up a lot of the feelings. I love that we just drew a line from Dane Cook to Brene Brown. I love that uh-huh. about our show. <laughs> um, but to get back to your question, like I think in life, It's not so much that I'm being surprised by things usually. I mean, there's occasionally a moment that surprises me and makes me cry. Like when you Mm -hmm. showed up at the subway station with a box of Kleenex for me when I was having a mental breakdown because I missed my flight and I wasn't expecting Mm -hmm. to see you there with Kleenex in your Batman onesie. And I seem to recall (laughs) bursting into tears then. But, you know, generally. (laughs) But then I think in scenes like, Yeah, sometimes it builds up slowly, the crying, but sometimes it's like my partner will say a particular thing and it just really hits me. Because like, as we talked about in a previous episode about crying, for me, often what makes me cry in scenes is a combination of pain and verbal stuff. And Mm -hmm. the verbal stuff that works, like I do think there's common themes that come up a lot, but it sort of depends on the day and what's going on for me, like what's really going to hit that button. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like if I've been struggling with my work stuff lately and I get told like, you did a good job, you did everything you needed to do, you're so accomplished, you're so talented, that kind of stuff might hit me Mm -hmm. really hard on a day like that. Whereas if I, you know, was having trouble more with relationships or something else, like something more relevant to that might, might really hit me. And that does feel like a surprise that feels like hitting the cry button, like sudden overwhelm. It makes me think Mm -hmm. about how like one of the pieces of media that makes me cry the most reliably is queer eye. Like it feels like it Mm -hmm. is specifically crafted to create these moments where I just burst into tears. And it's often the moments where like somebody comes out of the change room in their new outfit and it's just like whoa new person new lease on life and it's just a little bit of a mm-hmm. gasp of surprise and uh, and a bursting into tears that's kind of a great feeling for me i don't know what that says about me <laughs> well i think that's fascinating and like uh, it's my turn to talk but i just want to I, I just want you to say more about that <laughs> being a great feeling like <laughs> well can, can can you can you give more words to that can you expound upon that Yes. So physically, it's cathartic. I do think there is something to the comparison to orgasm. I don't Mm -hmm. think everybody necessarily experiences it that way. And I'm not saying that it's physically ecstatic or pleasurable. Well, it is pleasurable, but in a different way. Um, It's pleasurable in the way that a sneeze is pleasurable. That's what I was just going to (laughs) say, the way people compare a sneeze to an orgasm in the buildup and release of pressure and it's pleasurable because the pressure has been released exactly but also i think that you know sometimes in kink generally we talk about how it can be fun to go to intense emotional places that normally would be caused by negative life circumstances but to do them in situations where you know that you're actually safe you're actually fine Mm -hmm. you're with someone who loves you or cares about you and It's just the play acting of the feeling. And I think that when you're able to take away the actual real life negative things that are causing those feelings, which is not always possible to do, you Mm -hmm. can kind of enjoy the physicality of the emotion a little bit more. And also Mm -hmm. the kind of um, emotionally masochistic aspect of it. That's like, like how some people really like to take on sort of a victim role or like a you should pity me kind of role and like that can have Mm -hmm. like an emotional gratification to it but of course healthier to do that in a situation where like everybody is consenting to that dynamic and you're not actually being victimized and Mm -hmm. so I think that in the same way that pain like impact or whatever is playing with negative physical sensations or physical sensations that are often considered to be negative. Playing with crying for me is is very similar. Like it's just, it's emotional sadomasochism and it mm-hmm. feels good because it feels bad, you know? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And honestly, the way you talked about crying in the last episode is one of the things that has gotten me thinking about it a lot. And that was like a while ago, I think probably two years ago at this point. I don't even think I lived in this apartment when we recorded that one, Mm. but it like, 
it is a thing I have become increasingly curious about in Kink, A, because of that feeling of release and that sort of thing, and also that that opportunity to experience an intense feeling in a, like, scenario in which I know I'm safe and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, because, like, it is fascinating to me hearing you describe this, how media often gets you to cry at a surprise and life is the opposite because I have very much the inverse reaction. Whereas like mm-hmm. if I'm going to cry about shit in my own life, it is because it has snuck up on me, mm-hmm. which is m- mostly because I'm not great with feelings. And otherwise I'm like, if I, if it didn't sneak up on me, I've managed it in other ways, mm-hmm. mostly repressing it. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, um, it's, <laughs> Basically, I'm just like, no, the cry. I only cry about my own stuff because it had to sneak up on me. Otherwise, if I saw it coming, I'd fight it off, which is, again, <laughs> not great, um, which is one of the reasons I, like, have become so fascinated with the idea of exploring it in, like, safer circumstances, because we talk a lot about how humans got to feel all of the feelings um, and doing the on purpose in a kink context, I think is, or maybe one healthy way to start exploring that sort of thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, the Emily Nagoski book, um, that she co-wrote with her sister called burnout. And they go into a lot of detail about the idea of the stress cycle and how, Mm -hmm. you know, if you get stressed out, your body, you know, basically thinks that you're being chased by a tiger or whatever and Mm -hmm. in order to resolve that stress cycle so you stop feeling shitty and you also stop having the like physical health outcomes associated with stress as often you need to find a way to show your body and your mind that you are safe and that you're actually okay Mm -hmm. and she mentions a bunch of different ways to do this like physical exercise is kind of the the most common one and often thought of as like the best one but one of the things Mm -hmm. she says is like have a big cry and I remember when I read that I was like well I'm not a big exerciser but I can do that (laughs) (laughs) and I definitely read that same passage and was like so about that exercise (laughs) (laughs) sounds right yeah it's fine I can we can work with that (laughs) Um, in all seriousness though that is a thing that I have been thinking about and like I rarely experience crying as cathartic and Mm. it's not a thing that I like have many distinct memories of ever happening like generally for me the fact that I'm crying has added stress to the situation Mm. I'm like great now this is happening fantastic (laughs) (laughs) now I have to deal with now I'm leaking great Mm. you know um so I I think there is also something really appealing about creating a context a a kink kink's ability to create a context where not only is it okay that I'm crying because I'm in plenty of circumstances where it's okay that I'm crying I can be alone that's fine I'm like this I this is not fine hate this Mm -hmm. um right or with people who I know I'm safe to cry around or whatever but in a kink experience where I'm like no but like someone's also getting off on it like I'm also look (laughs) I also look so hot right now Mm -hmm. I know I'm like miserable but also I look so hot right now Mm -hmm. is like a little container that might give me a permission slip I need to tiptoe into a feeling to like get more acquainted with it Mm -hmm. this wasn't a question I had written it's just when I'm stumbling upon so I'm grappling with phrasing it but I'm just curious if I don't know, you are a person who has always been relatively comfortable with crying, or at least I understand that, a person who cries relatively freely. Mm-hmm. What was it like, I guess, discovering and encountering fetishists of that? Like, presumably you were a crier when you started encountering the fetish community. Was it immediately validating? Was it weird? Was <laughs> it Was there things to, like, grapple with on that, you know? Yeah, my thing is, like, I'm going to be crying anyway, so (laughs) if someone's into it, that's great. Um, And it's tough with, like, crying during sex. Like, this is a thing that happens to me fairly often. Not, Mm -hmm. like, I Mm -hmm. I don't know. I would say maybe 10%-ish of the times that I have sex, I cry. 
at some point. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's been times when it's been bad. Like it's been, I've been crying because this sex is bad and I feel isolated from the random person who I'm fucking and like, why am I, Mm -hmm. why am I doing this? And Um, and that's not to say it was non-consensual because that's not what I'm talking about. It's like a whole different thing. But um, mm-hmm. I've definitely cried from that feeling before. But I think that it didn't even really occur to me that somebody could have a crying fetish until I was like flirting with this guy who was a sadist in my mid-20s. And he told me this story about an ex-partner of his who would always get upset when he would get a boner during their arguments when she would cry. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I felt so many feelings about this story because I was like, on the one hand, I get why his partner was pissed. Like, right. that's reasonable. Yeah, it's tough to deal with, especially when you're talking about real heavy shit. At the same time, uh-huh. he he can't really control if he's getting a boner. Like, you know, there's there's only so much you can do about that. Right. And you know, if you're reacting appropriately to having the boner instead of trying to initiate sex when your partner is weeping, like, right, I think that's probably the best you can do. In that as lo- right, as long as you keep your boner to be your problem, right? Then, like, I, uh, you know, didn't realize how weird that word sounds coming out of my <laughs> mouth till I said it. It's not one that I, anyway. But yeah, so he uh, told me this story, and I. Unfortunately, it is also kind of hot, though. Yes. As the guy who kind of fetishizes inopportune (laughs) erections. Anyway, move on. (laughs) Moving on. It is, yeah. Um, He told me this story, and I sort of went into flirty, submissive mode immediately, Mm -hmm. where, like, as soon as I find out that a hot dom is into something (laughs) that I can do, I'm like, oh, really? (laughs) Well, can't wait until you, you see know, me do that. Because, like, you know me. You know like, how often I cry? <laughs> yeah, I have a thing where, like, you know, often doms will mention that they like when subs, like, blush or giggle. And, and then I'll be like, oh, like, I do that a lot. Like, I'm a very blushy, giggly person, especially if you, mm-hmm. like, do X, Y, Z. Like, this is, like, part of my subby flirting thing. And right. as soon as I found out this about this guy, I was like, well, here's all the situations that usually make me cry. Like, <laughs> in case. Just so you, you know. Yeah, so I think, like, uh-huh. it. it's not really even that I would, like, dial up crying with people who I subsequently played with who are crying fetishists. It's more just, like, I wouldn't have to suppress it, mm-hmm. which means not only that I felt more accepted as who I am, which is a crier to the core, but, like, I also didn't have to physically suppress that enjoyable, cathartic sensation, which is not a pleasant mm-hmm. feeling in the similar way to, like, trying to suppress a sneeze like it's just not that yeah. great and I would suppress it because I have had partners before especially more vanilla leaning partners who would see me cry and would immediately like stop everything and be like are you okay like do we need to stop mm-hmm. like and then sometimes they would even be like even if I said I was okay they would be like well I don't really feel good about it like that's kind of like putting me off which is understandable um right but so when I know that someone is into the crying I can really lean into it and mm-hmm. um and let it happen at full force and not feel like I am ugly or scary to the person for crying, mm-hmm. which I felt scary a lot is of a big before. one. Yeah, that's when I struggle with a lot. Yeah, yeah. And the important thing for me in that regard has just been when I'm playing with new people who I think there's a possibility that I might cry with. Like, just gotta let them know that mm-hmm. that that happens. And usually, I do have enough emotional. Uh, wherewithal in those moments to be able to say like oh this this is nothing <laughs> like don't worry about this <laughs> oh no no this, this happens all the time yeah <laughs> this is a compliment if anything <laughs> so obviously like you talked about it having a separate kind of release in playing with like crying fetishists have you eroticized it at all or do you have like do you have particular kink feelings about it at all do you see like other people cry and go, oh, they're a good crier. Like, that. that's cute. Like, things like that. Uh, I don't think that I eroticize it from a top perspective, like, at all. Like, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't think I have feelings about seeing other people cry, except that it sometimes can make me cry. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like, it's, it's not that it would turn me off necessarily or, or frighten me or anything. It's just, like, I don't – that's not really my kink. I think that part of it for me is, like – I eroticize my own vulnerability and like feeling able to do that. And and the idea mm-hmm. that someone else would find that hot. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that when someone else is being vulnerable in that way, I do feel more of a pull to like be with them and like help them and, and make sure that they're okay. And so I can't like relax into my, <laughs> my own crying as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, some of the ways that I've played with it that were more like directly erotic uh sometimes when my partner makes me cry they'll like slap my face in such a way that the tears like spray off my face and it's like nice that's like really beautiful and cinematic and strangely hot and then also mm-hmm. i think once or twice they have like slapped my face with their dick and made me suck my tears off their dick <laughs> great love that for you that's just an a plus for me yeah <laughs> i don't yeah, know that's, why that's like i can't really explain in words why that's hot but it is <laughs> yeah yep i don't you know yeah i don't think you need to <laughs> I, it's so interesting to me though that you talk about watching people cry and saying that you like don't particularly desire it as a top mm-hmm. because i <sighs> Again, this is just an episode of me grappling with how do feelings and things, apparently. (laughs) Um, But, like, I don't think of myself as a top for this sort of thing. I think most of my interest in it is as a bottom. Mm -hmm. As a top, I'm mostly, like, it is a thing for very particular people I am, like, very comfy holding space for. And I, like, appreciate the vulnerability and things. Mm But, like, there are particular scenes, I was going to say particular actors, certainly, sure, particular scenes in media, though, that I can talk, like, I can call Mm -hmm. out different crying scenes where I'm like, no, that actor, that actor cries real pretty. I don't, their face crumples in a particular way. Like, I... I've mentioned Battlestar Galactica a million times on this, (laughs) but there's a scene in uh, season one where... Uh, I'm not going to spoil things in case you haven't seen this 15, 20 year old show. Uh, um, (laughs) Starbuck confesses a thing to a character. Starbuck is, you know, tough, hotshot Viper pilot. She's confessing a thing to her dad type character. Um, And you just watch her trying to stay tough and Mm. like grappling with like, no, but I just want you to understand that, like, this is what happened and this is why I felt the way I did or whatever. And he's just, like, stone-faced. Mm. And you're watching her face slowly fall. And he does not handle it well, essentially. He says, like, one very cold thing to her and tells her to leave. Mm. Um, and there's a shot of her, like, walk- walking out of the room and her whole body crumples and her hand com- hands come up over her head. Like, her arms come up over her shoulders. And, like, it's just fucking gorgeous and like i can do that kind of detailed thing for like a bunch of different movies because i'm a nerd but like crying scenes in particular hit me and i have never thought of it as like me being like oh i want to elicit that or Mm -hmm. something like it doesn't feel toppy it feels maybe empathetic maybe Mm -hmm. like something about their ability to convey a very like a very specific feeling or or something right but like yeah I don't know there is like there's a kink feeling there it's definitely kink I just don't have a name for it yet Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have a cis guy friend who has told me that he admires my ability to cry easily because he struggles to do it himself and he has also told Mm -hmm. me that seeing me cry about stuff gives him a similar catharsis to actually Mm. crying about the stuff himself which he finds Mm -hmm. harder to do and I could see that being the case and um, I also think just from talking to people across the gender spectrum on this it does seem like hormones play a role in like how readily you cry like I've definitely heard Mm -hmm. of trans femme people who start on HRT and are just like crying a lot more suddenly Mm -hmm. and likewise I've heard from trans mask people who just like that sort of went away when they went on HRT or was much harder to access which is really fascinating 
Yeah, I've definitely heard from folks who like cried more regularly and struggle more once they're on hormones. I think I cry a little more easily now, which, you know, spend a past hour talking about how hard it is for me to cry. <laughs> but I think I cry a little more easily now, but I think that is just, I am more grounded in my body and brain and feelings and things yeah. and not disassociating all the time. That right? makes complete sense. You feel sense more feelings that way. Yeah. Um, but there is definitely something to like me being able to feel feelings more through media than through like my own experience and things. And like that empathetic kind of like watching someone else feel a feeling particularly well, giving me that similar kind of feeling of catharsis. Right. Mm -hmm. Because like, I, I've seen Battlestar Galactica so many times. It is a background noise show. And I will be in the middle of like editing porn and like scrolling Twitter and doing three other things. And I will like hear her walk into his office and I will sit up, go walk over to the TV, sit down, watch the three minute scene, <laughs> and just be weeping and go back to <laughs> editing my porn. It's so beautiful. Okay. They love each other so much. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like it will get me every, my eyes welled up describing it. Right. So mm-hmm. like, there, I think there definitely is something to that. Like, I I don't know quite how to have the catharsis on my own, but I can feel mm-hmm. it in other people. Right. Yeah. Cause like, I don't know. Men are bad at feelings. Right. That is, the, <laughs> we're going to talk about what they say. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. It is, it is, it is a thing that our culture encourages, right? Our culture does not encourage, does not encourage vulnerability in men. Men don't encourage it. Women don't encourage vulnerability in men either. Like this is not mm-hmm. a men against men problem. But anyway, that's a whole other soapbox. Um, the fact that I did not come to manness until my mid twenties, right? The fact that like I was still figuring out my gender and things in my mid twenties doesn't mean I didn't pick up all of that shit all Mm -hmm. along the way, right? Mm -hmm. I have a bunch of my own stuff in childhood, did my own family things and my parents and shit that I can point to and be like, oh, here are some other reasons that I have issues with feelings, right? Mm -hmm. But like broadly, yes, there are a lot of explicit messages we give about gender. There are also a lot of implicit ones. And I have, the reason I'm a trans guy is because I've identified with maleness my whole life and I didn't have words for it. And I definitely picked up a lot of that implicit, like, this is how we deal with feelings things, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, shutting down feelings was gender-affirming for a while. There was a question mark on that past tense. We're just going (laughs) to keep running with it. It's fine, (laughs) right? Um, But there is a lot of stuff to unpack there. Mm -hmm. And, like, there are definitely parts of that that I – probably couldn't have unpacked until I'm quite at this point in my gender. I don't know. This is this episode is just therapy for me at this point. Thanks for going <laughs> along on the ride with me. Hopefully everyone yeah. else is having fun too. Of course. Um, but I do think that's interesting and worth highlighting because gender stuff is very absolutely in play here. Yeah. I think that it definitely plays a role for me as well. Like I also, of course, have absorbed cultural messaging And a lot of that says that it's okay for women to cry. Not only that it's okay for us to cry, but that sometimes it is beautiful or sympathetic or makes people want to love us or take care of us. Like there's been a lot written Mm -hmm. about in particular white women's tears and how they can Mm -hmm. be like weaponized and, Mm -hmm. uh, and how people will sort of like drop everything to help a white woman who's crying because Mm -hmm. of all these cultural messages and cultural racism and whatnot. And I think that there's a lot to that for sure. Um, And when I grew up, like my mom was also a big crier. Like I remember when I was a kid and my mom told me that she cried like at least once a day and I didn't really understand that then. I was like, are you okay? And she was like, no, it's just like, you know, I'll just cry at random stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of part of my day. And I really didn't understand that until I got older And now I'm like, oh, yeah, like it really just does feel like part of the emotional arc of my day. Mm -hmm. And it's not it doesn't have to be a big cry. Like it might be like a little tear when I watch a cute video on Twitter uh, for Mm -hmm. for 10 seconds. But um, Mm -hmm. it's just kind of something I do. And I think that 
I also had like childhood experiences of emotional abuse where like people would get mad at me for quote unquote sulking, which Mm -hmm. was basically Mm -hmm. like staying stoic and staying in the same room as the person who had been making these abusive comments to me. And so what Mm -hmm. I would do instead is I would go to my room and just cry my eyes out. And so I Mm -hmm. think I learned to associate that with a feeling of like not only catharsis, but like freedom, like like I'm not being watched anymore. I'm not being judged Mm -hmm. or policed anymore. Like I'm just able to be myself emotionally and otherwise. And I think that I learned that that was like a a nice feeling for me. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense that like our childhood experiences of crying are going to like relate back to how we feel about it now, both in a kink and otherwise context. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was put in a lot of circumstances where if I was crying or upset, it was a reflection on like parents quality as parents essentially right Mm -hmm. um and like a reflect it was perceived as a reflection on them Mm -hmm. um and like I think one of the things that I find so appealing about exploring this in a kink context is that we can build the story that not only is it not a thing I'm doing to other people, right, or a commentary on other people or any of those things, right, it can be a thing I'm doing for other people, Mm -hmm. which, like, I think gives me a lot more permission to do it, right? And it can be a thing that, like, doesn't demand change from the people around me or doesn't demand action or that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. right? Um, because the thing we've mentioned a lot in this episode, and one of the things that stood out to me a lot from the last episode, is how a lot of fetishizing crying is about fetishizing this kind of vulnerability and being able to sit in that vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to talk about this right now because I've been reading the scripts of Succession, uh, which were mm-hmm. published recently, and there's a piece of lore that was like cut from a couple different succession scripts that has to do with crying, mm-hmm. where it's mentioned that these characters, when they were kids, if they would cry, their abusive dad would make them look in a mirror to see how silly they looked. It was called the silly mirror, and uh, and when someone has that reaction when oh. when Kendall like explains this, and he's like, no, don't worry, like it made me not cry very much um in adulthood Uh which actually has been a big asset to me in business um and there's a part like later in the episode where like kendall's kid starts crying and his like the grandfather like tries to go get a mirror and kendall's like we're not doing the mirror like we're not doing that but it's oh it's so like when i read that i was like first of all that's horrible secondly Uh i'm sure that a lot of people have had that happen to them and thirdly kind of hot as a kink scene I don't know. Right. I was like, that's horrible. And <laughs> you change like three facts and it's kinky, <laughs> which unfortunately is a sentence I find myself saying often. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, yeah, oof. I, every part, uh, like, like the core of my being is in the fetal position and the meat suit around it also would like to be in the fetal <laughs> position, but it would mess up the recording um, at the just at the at the, at the concept uh-huh. of having to look in a mirror while I'm crying. Like. I. Can't look in the mirror if I have cried that day, generally, like uh-huh. if, <laughs> if it is a day where I might cry or a day where I have had a bad enough brain that I have, like if I've cried about a TV show, that's probably different. But like, if I'm having like some feelings and like going to cry about my own feelings, mm-hmm. um, I, uh, my brain keeps giving me Hannah Gadsby calling, uh, talking about her dad, not being a whistleblower on his own feelings. Um, <laughs> so, phrasing, um, not even entirely relevant, but I had to say it cause my brain's like this. Okay. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, if I'm like, if my brain is in a bad enough place that I am like going to be crying about shit going on, I simply cannot look at my own face in the mirror, which is unfortunate because I'm like a slut and an exhibitionist and my house is full of mirrors. So I'm like, 
sometimes when I feel like I'm in a horror movie covering them up, like someone's going to come out of them or something. But yeah. That's so interesting. I actually sometimes do like to look in the mirror when I'm crying. And I found this quote about it. Um, I read the book Bluettes by Maggie Nelson when I was going through Mm -hmm. a, a phase of crying a lot. And she says... Eventually, I confessed to a friend some details about my weeping, its intensity, its frequency. She says kindly that she thinks we sometimes weep in front of a mirror, not to inflame self-pity, but because we want to feel witnessed in our despair. And like, oof. That's very good. Yeah, because I think that a lot of people, you know, don't want to cry in front of other people because it's vulnerable Uh and scary or they don't want other Uh people to feel like they have to fix the situation. But when you cry in front of yourself in the mirror... You do feel, I think, witnessed if it's something that you can like stand to look at. And um, yeah, and it's also sort of like it reminds me of how I like to look at bruises and hickeys and things like it's like I can Mm -hmm. see physically the evidence of an emotional experience that I went through recently. And there's something about that that's kind of nice. Yeah. The witnessing thing really resonated because I think that is a part of what feels what makes kink feel like such an acceptable container for this Mm -hmm. right because like it is a thing that like by its definition I would there's probably going to be at least one other person there the way I imagine this right Mm -hmm. and likely not a huge audience because of how vulnerable it would be but yeah I think that's part of what feels so permissible about exploring this in a kink context is that like it creates a space where I'm gonna be witnessed right there's gonna be someone there with me you know or maybe multiple someone's probably not many though um and we've created a context in which it is like totally acceptable for me to be suffering and having a hard time this is the thing I've talked about a lot on the show right just being real loud about the things I need it's fine Mm y'all learning a lot about me (laughs) um but creating a space where I can like loudly have a hard time and struggle with a thing um, and be witnessed in that struggle and in whatever difficulty that is in a context where a, I've felt like I've earned it enough to feel safe doing that, which like obviously is a thing that needs to be unpacked, but Hey, <laughs> this is where I'm at and this is how it's accessible for me right now. So yeah. we're running with it. It's fine. Growth is a process, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. And also, like, yeah, I don't know, in a container where, like, I have already set the expectations for how everyone in the situation is going to handle it if it happens. Mm -hmm. And, like, it makes sense to me. There's a reason for it to be happening. Like, I feel like I've earned the right to cry, right, and have that struggle held by someone, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And, like... I don't know, that's probably pretty good for the the human animal meat suit that I'm living in. Uh, And it is part of why it has become so appealing to me as of late. I don't, do you have somewhere to go with that? Or do you need me to bring that around to a question? Sorry. Um, I think one of the things that I have learned in therapy is that humans are very good at like wanting to assign a purpose or some sense of productivity to an emotion like that we want Uh to attach some kind of action or expectation or outcome to an emotion and sometimes you just got to feel the emotion and it doesn't actually have to necessarily mean anything it doesn't have to mean that you need to do anything it doesn't have to mean that your life is falling apart even if it kind of feels like that sometimes and I think Mm. that when it's placed in the context of kink it's much easier for me to be like oh I'm just doing this because this is like fun sexy stuff like I'm not doing this because my life is in shambles (laughs) like it's just (laughs) it's just a feeling Uh that I'm feeling yeah that is absolutely a thing that I struggle with um that but I, like, I recognize as important. And I think it is a thing that I have been thinking about a lot in, as like over the past couple of months, I've become more and more curious about more emotionally masochistic things, mm-hmm. right? Um, things like, you know, this, but also things like humiliation and embarrassment and that kind of stuff. Um, and denial even feels adjacent to that right Mm -hmm. um and thinking about kind of these like 
negative emote thinking about kink as a way to explore a variety of sensations both physically and emotionally right um and kind of riding that roller coaster of sensations in low stakes ways right and feeling a wide breadth of emotion right um and because like some of my most memorable kink scenes even if we're talking intense physical sensation like at some of the hardest moments I was also like not having a good time, mm-hmm. like not actually, like would not qualify that as fun or like, you know, relaxing or any of the things that like I find myself typically seeking out these days, right? But the feeling of accomplishing it afterwards is a lot of fun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, and that is the thing I'm I'm very well aware of in terms of physicality, but it is a thing that I am trying to bring more to the forefront of my thoughts in terms of emotional stuff as well, right? And in like, the importance of experiencing like, a whole breadth of difficult emotions and how kink can kind of create containers for that. Yeah, totally yeah. get that. When I've thought about bottoming for humiliation play before I've always kind of mm-hmm. thought like well, why would I do that like that just sounds so horrible like that's such an unpleasant feeling and then I was like that's exactly what people say about the <laughs> physical sadomasochistic shit that I like to do mm-hmm. and I think it's just a matter of like what you personally can tolerate and also like what feels exciting to you on any level and sometimes the level that it's exciting is not what happens in the moment sometimes it's like oh you Mm -hmm. think back on that memory and wow that was so hot but yeah in the moment you're like suffering and you're not (laughs) loving it but that's just kind of how Uh a lot of kink is I find yeah and it honestly a lot of the appeal for a lot of this stuff is not all that far removed from fear play for me right yeah. Especially the attraction to like the vulnerability and things. No, I do these things because they're terrifying and they sound like awful, but intense and interesting. And oh, I wonder what that would be like. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there are a lot of things that like, I don't know, even in this like feeling of leading up to camp where I have some scary scenes planned or whatever, I am like, getting the nervous feeling I get before getting on a roller coaster, but like largely about how vulnerable it'll be to do that much kink, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Back to back and in an environment that is just like hugely vulnerable to be in. It's just an intense environment. Um, And like, yeah, I'm recognizing that as the same feeling I go like, when I'm looking at fear play type stuff. Yeah, that brought up something for me, which is like, I feel like the aftercare for this type of play can be somewhat different for me because sometimes Mm. when I do aftercare for, for example, like a heavy impact scene or something, crying might be part of the aftercare and like feeling some of those emotions might be part of the aftercare. Whereas if the scene itself has involved a really high degree of emotion, Maybe for aftercare, I just want to do something where, like, I'm not really going to feel anything. Just play a video game, watch Mm -hmm. a funny thing that I've already seen. Like, just sort of shut that stuff off to kind of reset. Um, And that's not to say you shouldn't, like, necessarily process what's just happened or that you should, like, deny it or, like, push it down. But I do think sometimes I need to just, like, zero out a little bit before I'm able to do that stuff. Yeah, take a breather before you can revisit it kind of with a different brain. Yeah. Now this is, we're getting to the end of time, but I did have a question here that I was curious about and I don't really have a segue on it, but I'm (laughs) curious, a a large portion of the sex and kink you do these days is phone sex and kink. Mm -hmm. Does that make you cry as much as in person stuff? Oh yeah, oh yeah, (laughs) sure does, yeah. I think that the fact that, verbal stuff is such a huge aspect of it for me Mm -hmm. is key to this and also my spouse is like skilled anyway at verbal topping but I think that being in this relationship for five plus years has like really sharpened their skills on that I think it literally Mm -hmm. has like reshaped our brains um (laughs) it'd be interesting to study it but Mm -hmm. they are just really effective at like knowing the right comments to say and we also do Mm -hmm. uh impact over the phone 
um, as I've described before, where like I'll have an implement that I'm holding and they'll tell me like the intensity and then they will say now for each time that they want me to hit myself. And mm-hmm. that's how I cried the other night um, when we were having phone sex. And mm-hmm. uh, I usually will like send them a crying selfie, which they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to like tell them when I was crying, but now I think they can almost always <laughs> tell. Yeah. Like my therapist, who I speak to on the phone, asked me when we first started having sessions if I could let them know when I was crying um, because it wasn't immediately evident because they can't see me. But now that we've been in sessions for like three years, I think that they can tell. So yeah, it is something that you can kind of like know the signals of if you know the person. That makes sense. Sorry, you lost me with um, the segue there. And you said my therapist when we started having and my brain said sex, (laughs) not sessions. And I just, no, you not lost that, not me that from type that moment on. No, that makes sense. No, that's fair. I listen. It was a wild ride for a second. <laughs> yep. This was a weird rambly one with a lot of my vulnerability. Sorry, but no, I think it was a good I, one. Yeah, I think it was good. Good job. On yeah. The okay. Great. Cool. I was like, I just know I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about this, and you have a lot as well. So we get somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we those... used almost none of my actual questions. I mostly just sat here and went, ooh. <laughs> I love that for us. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Dildorks. Uh, I was going to say, I couldn't decide if I wanted to say, hope it made you cry or hope it didn't make you cry. I actually don't hope either of those things. <laughs> it's fine. If you cried, if you didn't cry, if you cry in your life, if you don't cry in your life, all good. I don't really, doesn't really bother me. <laughs> Um, I've been Kate Sloan. I have a sex blog at girlyjuice.net. I have two books out, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do. Hang on. Is there a crying section in this book? I feel like there maybe is. But now I'm like second guessing myself. It's definitely mentioned. I know that. Uh, Okay, no, there's no crying in here. Even though crying is a kinky thing, even you can do. Um, It is. But the other book is 200 Words to Help You Talk About Sexuality and Gender. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. I did a cool podcast guest spot recently. I guessed it on the podcast You Are Good, which is hosted by Sarah Marshall and Alex Steed, who are two of the coolest, nicest humans. Um, And we talked about the movie High Fidelity. I think there's some good crying in that movie. (laughs) Uh, It's like a breakup grieving movie. Um, So you can check that out. And yeah, that's probably it. Where's your stuff? I'm Billy Laura. You can find all my porn at BillyLaura.com. I am, oh, when this comes out, I am probably releasing soon or have just recently released the first scene from the trans mask porn party that I had uh, back in April. So that's really exciting. I'm editing that like as soon as we're done recording today. So nice. should be fun. Um, and my site's probably on sale if you're listening to this the day it came out. So like, come go do those things. I'm also at Billy Lore on Twitter and at Billy Lore underscore on Instagram. Together we're the Dildorks. We're on Twitter and Instagram at the Dildorks. We're also at the Dildorks.com. And most importantly, we're at patreon.com slash the Dildorks. That's where you throw money at us and help us keep doing this thing that we do. For $6 a month, you get access to our exclusive Discord. And for $12 a month, you get our Patreon-only bonus episodes. Thanks so much to our top tier Patreon supporters, Stabitha Christie, Nat, Amy, MB, and Amelia. We really appreciate your support. Thank you to Protodome, who did our theme song. Thank you to Amy, who did our logo. And thank you to you for listening. Till next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. There is a cluster of feelings over here Mm -hmm. that is supposed to become a sentence. And I know the cluster of feelings and just, did you see what happened to I-95 north of Philly where there's just, it just (laughs) fell. It just collapsed. Oh no, that's that's not great. (laughs) That's, that's the path between the cluster of feelings and the sentence that has to come out of my mouth. There's just (laughs) a blank space of radio static (laughs) and a collapsed motorway. Um, (laughs) Hang on.
I had my introduction set up and now I already have thoughts about the thing you just said. Okay. But then had to go back to the my intro and I derailed yeah, myself. That's fine. Surprise. That was the thing that I wanted to, that like, mm. I was suddenly like, oh, we're starting there now. Okay. <laughs> so surprise. Um, I talked like I had a segue. All I did was remember my topic. <laughs> but I was so proud of myself. Yeah, I'm proud um, of you too. Thanks. Yeah, I've definitely been thinking about... Uh, no, let me take that one more time with a real segue. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, no. Oh, oh, that was... I was that <laughs> word, like it's a word. <laughs> Hang on. I heard a sound, and of course it distracted me from everything. Um <laughs> how my brain works in all um, seriousness though yeah <laughs> i had a, i can bring that around to it okay i, was I, say, I can I, bring it around to a question i have a thing about succession that i want to say that doesn't really yeah. connect that well to that but um <clears throat> i rambled about battlestar galactica for five minutes we're good I, a single scene in which starbuck <laughs> cries that i've definitely talked about on this show before <laughs> anyway I'm going to be right back. I need to pee. I keep looking at this timer and being like, it's going to be 10 minutes. Like, just hang on and wait. No, because no. every 30 seconds, my brain is like, you need to pee. And then I yeah. forget everything else I was talking about. I'll That's be fine. back. Oh, yeah. my God. All good. <laughs> oh, yeah, that changed my life. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> I uh, I checked my email and I got a comment on one of my fanfic stories that just says, fuck, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I love that. <laughs>